discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. That's not like him. That's not like him. How many of you love Jesus? Give me a wave if you love Jesus. Say, I love Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to share some few things with you. You bring your Bible to church. Hallelujah. We've been talking about renewing five levels of renewing of, of the mind, isn't it? I started some weeks ago. So I want to. Pick it up a little and I will continue some other time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Without the renewing of the mind, you will not be able to appreciate God and anything that He has done for you. Nothing can be appreciated without the renewal of the mind. There are so many things that God has done. Countless. Countless. But your mind is important. Your mind is important. So there are those who think that when you are prophesying, your mind is absent. Okay. Or your mind has nothing to do with prophecy. When someone is prophesying, the person knows where he is. He knows what he's wearing. He knows what he's saying. He can hear what he's saying. His mind is present. None of the things, none of, none of the spiritual things are done without the mind. Your mind is very important. No matter how saved you are, how born again you are, and how dramatic your salvation was. It does, makes no difference how dramatic your salvation was. If your mind is not renewed, you will not be able to appreciate what God has done for you. That is why the Bible mentions emphatically that we should renew our minds. We have to. We have to. We have to change the way we think. You have to make a choice to change the way you think and change what you think. A Christian who thinks that God does not like him or God hates him is going to be in trouble. He's going to have so much trouble. No matter how much, and that will determine his prayer, his prayer life, what he says in prayer. You always be begging God in his prayer. Always asking God, God forgive me. Even when God is not having any issue with you, you will be asking God for forgiveness. When God does not see anything between himself and you. Hmm. In Romans chapter 5, look at Romans chapter 5 as 1. There was only one thing that separated us from God. That one thing was the sin of man. There are two kinds of sins. There's Adamic sin, or the nature of sin. And then there's the fruits of sin. This Now, I want you to read it. I want you to see it. You know, there are those who also come to church and don't look at the scriptures that are being read. If you don't look at it, you will not see what is going on. Okay? You need to see what is going on. So, turn there, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Read it out to me if you are there. One to go. Hallelujah. Read it once again. Therefore, 
therefore being justified by faith. You know, the verse before it says that Christ was delivered on account of our offenses and was raised on account of our justification. God gave him, Jesus was brought into this world or came into this world so that he might be given or he might die because of our offenses. That's Romans chapter 4 verse 24. Look at, is that 25, right? Romans 4.25. Look at Romans 4.25. That's a verse before, actually the Bible was not put into verses and chapters. It was a long letter. Do you see? It was uh, around the 17th, uh, uh, 15th century when they, they put it into verses and chapters. You see, it was a long letter. So that is why verse 4 is a link to verse, verse chapter 4, verse 25 is linked to chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Christ, he was talking about Jesus. It says, Christ who was delivered on, for our offenses. Other version says, on account. He was delivered on account of our offenses. What offenses is he talking about? Our offenses in Adam. You see, Adam partook of the tree that he was not supposed to partake of. And that is the reason why man got into the trouble that he got into. But Christ came. Christ is called the second Adam. The second and the last Adam. He came so that he might take over. He might be given, he gave himself over on account of our offenses. So there's no offense that you, you have between you and God. Because Christ has been given on account of offenses already. Hallelujah. Since who was delivered for our offenses and was raised. Jesus did not come out of the grave until our justification was secured. What is the meaning of justification? Justification means to be declared not guilty or to be declared right. To be declared not having any issue between you and the one you are owing. Do you see? How many of you are feeling what I'm saying? Christ was given on account of our offenses and was raised. He died for offenses and was raised when we were declared righteous. The Bible says that God saw the travail of his soul and he was satisfied. Then he, rose, he brought him back out of the dead. That is why our salvation is in believing in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. In his death, he died for offenses. In his burial, he went to hell so that he might take over the punishment that man was supposed to have. What Adam did was, was, was tantamount to high treason. Adam needed to die. Adam needed to be destroyed. And every single thing that comes out of Adam, some, of, some people say that if I, I were there, I wouldn't have partaken of the tree. You, you would have eaten not only the fruit, you would have eaten the branches, the tree, the roots, and even eaten the earth around it. You'd have done beyond what, what Adam did. <laughs> Hallelujah. So never say that. You'd have even eaten a snake, isn't it? <laughs> what Adam did was tantamount to high treason. He was supposed to die. He was supposed to be punished. Taken out of the scene. But God could not do that because Adam was made for God. Adam was made as God's means of fellowship. God's... God's uh, 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 object of love. That was what Adam was made for. It's like your wife offending you. You love her very much. And there are others standing by saying that because of what she has done, you must kill her. It's just like what happened in Esther's time. Esther was not supposed to approach the king at the time she was going to approach the king. There's a way to approach the king. You approach the king when he calls for you. If he doesn't call for you, you dare not enter his palace. No matter who you are, if you enter the palace, your head is gone. They fall on you. Your head will be gone. No matter who you are, whether you are his son, his daughter, his wife, makes no difference. You'll be terminated. Esther was coming into the courts of the king 
to come and seek for 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 a hearing from the king because her people were going to be destroyed. And she knew that if she goes, she's going to die. So initially she didn't want to go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And when she went in, some people were advocating for her to be terminated. But the king shut everybody up because she had received favor from the king. That's what I'm talking about. So what Adam did was tantamount to treason. But God shut everybody up. He shut Satan up. He shut all the, the demons of hell up so that he can get Adam back or get his creation back, you and I. So there's nothing that stands between you and God. Jesus gave his blood, his precious blood. Jesus' blood is called precious. His blood is holy. He gave his blood for you. If you were the only one here on earth, he would still have come to die for you. Can you imagine? God did not die for the masses. He died for individuals. He died for you. He didn't die for somebody else. He died for you. So never think in terms of the mass, oh, he died for all of us. That's true in one sense. But in the real sense, he died for you. He gave himself for you. That is how much loved you are. That is how much God loves you. He does not joke with you at all. But if your mind is not renewed, if your mind, if you don't know what the word of God has said along these lines, you go through life as a beggar. You go through life as one who is weak, as one who is dying, not knowing what God has done for you because you don't know about, you don't know anything. Ignorance is a killer. The number one thing that the devil has now, as I'm talking to you, is an instrument or the weapon of ignorance. If he can keep you ignorant, if only he can keep your mind from thinking the way you ought to think, he can keep you in bondage forever. So why are Christians suffering? Christians are suffering not because God wants them to suffer. Christians are suffering because they don't know they are not supposed to suffer. They don't know that they are not supposed to suffer. See, I was not born to suffer. suffer. Yeah, there's nothing between you and God that is to prevent you from getting close to God. Nothing. There's nothing you do today that can take you away from God. You do all those wrong things because you don't know him. If you knew him, you wouldn't do all those wrong things. You don't know him. If you knew him, you would not. It wouldn't even cross your mind to do something wrong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Look at the next verse, chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore... On account of this, being on account of our justification, being therefore justified by faith, by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. See, I have peace with God. Through my Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, by virtue of his death, burial, and resurrection, we have peace with God. God is not at loggerheads with us, God is not against you in any way. If you've given your life to Christ, then you have been brought into a large place. You have been brought into the family of God. And that is where you are. You have come through the way. That way is Jesus Christ. Now you are with God. You are with the Father. You are with him. Everywhere you go, he's with you. He doesn't leave you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He does not leave me. So I'm not alone. I'm never alone. I'm never, see, I'm never alone. Yeah, because God is with me. I'm never alone. I'm never alone. The presence of God is with me wherever I go. I have become the headquarters of God. God lives in me. God dwells in me. God sees through my eyes. How can I be ordinary when God is looking through my eyes? I cannot be ordinary. How can I feel when my hands are God's hands? God has fitted himself into me. You see, Adam was created as a glove to be fitted into by God. 
That's how Adam, Adam was made in the image and the likeness of God. Yet when God was creating Adam, he says in his image, in his own image, he was talking about Christ. Jesus is the image of God. Jesus is the express image of his person. Let me show you some scriptures. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you now, but what I, all that I'm saying are scriptures. Okay? Let me show you. Go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Oh, hallelujah. God does not hate me. God likes me. It's so important to get that very clear. God does not hate you. God likes you. God loves you. He doesn't joke with you. At all. At all. And that knowledge can make you overcome every single challenge of this world. When you know that God loves you. And God cares about you. He says, and God said, let us make man. Now, look at it very carefully. He says, let us make man in our image, right? After our likeness. That's plural, isn't it? Let us make man in our image. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Look at verse 27. So God created man in his. That is singular. I thought God said that let us create man in our image. And after our likeness. Isn't it? That is plural. The word God used there is plural. You see? It's not singular, it's plural. God mentions that we must create man in our image and after our likeness. But how come when God was actually doing it, he created him in his image, singular? Because the Godhead has, a, has, a, has an image. There's an image of the Godhead. Do you see? The Godhead has an image. The Godhead is made up of three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But they have one image. You will not go to heaven and see God the Father standing somewhere, God the Son standing somewhere, and God the Holy Spirit. Has, they have one image. They have just one. The Bible says that in him, in Christ, the fullness of the God that is pleased to do up bodily. The, the, uh, Jesus is an is a embodiment. is the tabernacle of the Godhead. The God that lives in him is the image of the Godhead. And Adam was made after the image of Jesus. Jesus was not made after the image of Adam. It was the other, other way around. Christ is the image after which Adam was made. You see? So when you read in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 and 3, you see what I'm talking about. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Colossians 1, it says, No man has ever seen God. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. He's talking about Jesus now. Look at verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory, He's the brightness of God's glory. The Holy Spirit is the glory of God. Jesus is the brightness. He's the outshining of that glory. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. He's the express image of the personhood of God. Are you seeing it? So Adam was made after this image. After Christ's image. So Romans chapter 5. If you read in Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Let's read from verse 7. It will be nicer from verse 7. For stress for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man would even would one even dare to die. But God commanded his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Have you seen it? Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 11. And not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have, re- we have now received the atonement. There's a verse I want to show you. 
about the fact that Adam is the image of Christ. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5. It's in Romans chapter 5. Verse 14. All right. Look at verse 14. Yes. It says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even unto them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Then it says, who is the figure? Have you seen it? Who is the figure of him that was to come? The word figure is to pose. It means the image. Who is the figure, the image of him that was to come? Who is he that was to come? Christ. Jesus. So Adam was, the, was made in his, in his image, in Jesus' image. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I, I, was saying all, I said all this to say this. That Adam was created as an image for God to inhabit. That was the original plan of God. For God to inhabit Adam. So that when Adam stretches his hand, it will be God stretching his hand. So when Adam looks, it will be God looking. So when, when Adam moves his leg, it's God moving his leg. That was, the, that was the original reason for Adam. But God lost his opportunity to do what he wanted to do because Adam disobeyed God. And God cannot work with someone who disobeys him. But one person came to obey him. And that one person is, is Christ himself. And when he came, he went through, the Bible says that he was, he was tempted in, 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 in all points like we are. He yet was found without sin. And he gave himself. Jesus did not do anything wrong. He just gave himself because of you and I. So that he can make a new way for God to have that opportunity once again to come into you and I. And it has happened. It happened years ago. But if you don't know, you'll be walking around as someone who is inhabited by the devil. You'll be thinking like someone who is an inc- a devil's incarnate. Because you don't know who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm the image of God. God dwells in me. Now, that, that knowledge can do a lot for you. It can do a lot for you. You're looking for a job. You can't find a job. How can God dwell in you and you're not, you're not finding a job? How can God be in you and nothing is happening? Nothing good is happening to you. How can that be? It's happening like that because you don't know it up here in your head. You don't know it. You are praying, but you don't know what. <laughs> Someone can be praying, okay? God help me. God help me. God help me. God help me. But in his mind, now he's asking for God to help him. But in his mind, he's thinking about something else. He's thinking, he's thinking about how things are not working. How things are so difficult. How life is so difficult. That's all he's thinking. Do you think God can help such a person? God can help such a person. The only way that God helps us. Okay. Is through his word. Yet you don't know his word. You are not thinking on his word. Your thoughts are on something else. God brings his word to you as you pray. And it it encourages you. It comforts you. It revitalizes you. To be able to go on in life. But if you are not thinking the right thoughts, you'll be shocked. You need to tell everybody you need to think the right thoughts. Tell the other neighbor you need to think the right thoughts. Hallelujah. Yes, I'll walk in them. <laughs> I'll talk in them. Have you seen that scripture before? Look at, let's look at it. Let's read Second Corinthians chapter six. Let's read from verse fourteen. It says, "Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers." For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? You see, what he's saying, he's comparing you. He says, what fellowship? Go back to verse 14. 
be, on, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness? So he's calling you righteousness. Can you imagine God is calling you righteousness? Do you feel righteous? Doesn't matter how you feel. God's kingdom is not a kingdom of feelings. It's a kingdom of facts and knowledge. It's not a kingdom of feelings. It doesn't matter how you feel. It makes no difference. Your feelings don't do anything. So no matter how you feel, makes no difference. What God says is what is true. He says, be not only you go together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? He calls them unrighteousness and calls you righteousness. And what communion has light? He calls you light and calls them darkness. All those who are not born again are darkness. All those who are children of God are light. See, I'm light. Nice. This is what God has done. He has made you light. You better agree with it in your mind. And start praying as someone who is light. So in your prayer you say, I'm light. I'm the light of God here in the earth. Yeah, and I'm shining wherever I go. By me, they get the knowledge of God in the name of the Lord Jesus. By me, excellence comes in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm the excellent one. Why? Because I'm the light of God in the earth. Where there's no light, there's darkness. There's darkness in the world because a lot of Christians don't know that they are light. Those who know don't want to shine. <laughs> Go to the next verse. And what concord has Christ? This is, this is the big one. What concord has Christ with Belial? He calls you Christ. He didn't say you are of Christ. He says you, you are Christ. He calls you Christ. What is Christ? Christ is the anointed one. And he's the anointing. That means that I am anointed. I am the anointed one and I'm the anointing. Can you imagine? It's too big for your mind to comprehend. You will insult me if, if I'm not careful. Yeah, because it's too big. But that's what God says. I'm not the one saying it. Am I the one who said you are Christ? He says, what and what concord has Christ? He's talking about the believer and calls him Christ. Calls him light. Calls him righteousness. Or what part has Jesus that believed with an infidel? Verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Then he says, for ye are. I'm sure he didn't think many people believe this one. So he decided to even be emphatic, more emphatic about it. He says, for ye are the temple of the living God. Not the dead God. You are the temple of the living God. God is alive in you. He's not dead in you. If God is alive in me, then why should I fail? Why should my, my life be ordinary? Are you a child of God? Ask anybody, are you a child of God? Then God is alive in you. Yeah. God is alive. He's talking, he's walking, he's seeing, he's thinking in me. He says, for, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will to dwell in them. And I will walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. I will walk in them. I will dwell in them. So God has achieved what he wanted to achieve through Christ. So if you are still thinking that he's, he's fighting with you, then there's a problem. There's a problem. That's why it says, greater is he that is in you than he. He's not lying. The greater one lives on the inside. There's a whole world inside you. There's a whole world inside you. If only you start thinking like that. Okay? You have, that's why I have to look at this, these scriptures so many times. Look at it until it becomes your present tense reality. Until it becomes something that you are not, you are not forcing yourself to think. But something that you really know. Even when they wake you up, you, you, I'm a child of God. 
I've got God inside me. Yeah, that, that is what I, I know that whatever I touch, whatever I get involved with work, I know. I know. Because I know that God is inside me. I know. I know I cannot fail. I do not fail. How can I be poor? I'm rich. I am super rich. You see, if you are not careful, you'll be, you'll be counting your riches according to what is in your bank or what's in your pocket. That's what you'll be doing. You'll be, you'll be thinking about your riches in terms of what is in your pocket. You know what's in your pocket. Who doesn't know what you know? Who doesn't know that you know what's in your pocket? You know what's in your pocket. You know what's in your bank account. But that has nothing to do with anything. God owns everything. He says that a castle on a, on a thousand hills are mine. The fullness of the, of, the, of the world, of the earth, is mine. Everything is mine. The silver and the gold are all mine. And God is inside me. Why should I say I'm poor? Why should I think I'm poor? I see what I'm talking about. I handle billions, billions of dollars. You, you see, you are too shy. You don't want to say something. I don't know. I'm too Know the word. No, though, and you see, the more you start thinking differently concerning God, the more God starts transporting you into things. Okay, there's an aspect of the communion of the Spirit called the transportation of the Spirit. That's what God can transport you. He can transport you to your future and let you see what your future holds, and bring those things to your mind, bring them as words into your spirit for you to declare them. It's what you have seen with God that will become real in your life. If you walk into the future not knowing what's going to happen, you don't have anything happening in the future. There's no hope of anything happening in the future. That's why we speak in tongues. See, because as we speak in tongues, we, be, we begin to have communion with the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, look at 1 Corinthians 14, 14. So important. God is inside me. God is not fighting me. God does not hate me. God loves me. God cares about me. I've become the temple of the living God. God lives inside this is, my, this is my thought process. This is my present tense thought process. There's nothing I can do that will take me away from God. This is neither death nor life, nor things past, nor things present, nor things to come shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us. Haven't you read your Bible? In Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 8. I want you to read it. And read it very carefully because I don't want us to come back to this thing again. Okay? I want us to journey forward with God. With God consciousness. I said the first level of renewing your mind is thinking about God the right way. Isn't it? And that's what I'm still talking about now. I want to move off from it, but it's not working. Because you, you need to think about God the right way. What is written in Romans chapter 5 verse 8? Read it to me. One to go. For God recommend... Mm-hmm. Read it again. Christ died for Did he say God commenced his love towards us in that when we were okay and everything was fine and everything was okay and when we were doing right and when we were doing good, God died, Christ died for us. Is that what he said? What does he say? He says God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. Look at the next thing. Verse 9. Much more than. Do you understand much more? I'm going to preach a message called much more. Much more than. It's a comparison. He's saying that if Christ did this while we were sinners, if Jesus came to die for you when you were were a foolish boy and a foolish girl, with all your foolishness, if Christ died for you, Christ did not wait for you to do right before he came to die. 
Christ does not save us because we are, we are okay. He doesn't save us in our niceness. He saves us in our foolishness. If he did that, if he gave us life, once we were foolish and once we were sinner, how much more then, now that he has justified you by his blood, now that he has declared you not guilty by his blood, now that he has brought you close, you see, we've seen this word so many times today, justified. Now that he's not, there's nothing between you and him. There's no, there are no complications. You are free. He says, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You are free. You had liberty to have a relationship with them. You had liberty to flow with them. There's nothing that can stop you from flowing with them. If you don't flow with them, it's your own choice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Much more then. How much more? Now that he has brought us close. What are you talking about? I'm a child of God. God lives inside. And I want to show you how you can increase in your God consciousness. Okay? How you can increase in your God consciousness. I listen to me. That will help you. It will help you. I'm telling you. It will help you. Can you imagine a man moving around knowing that God is the one moving around? If you were thinking like that every single day of your life. And that's how God wants us to think. God wants us to be full of him. I said you should turn to, can I show it to you? It's in Ephesians chapter 3. From verse 19. We can read from verse 15 for it to make a lot more sense. Okay? Ephesians chapter 3. Let's read from verse 14. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory. Now, this Paul praying. Paul is praying for the church. He's praying for you and I. There are several prayers that Paul prayed for the church. But God, this is, this is a prayer of the Spirit. Through the man of God, Paul, for you and I. This is desire. He's showing you what he desires. Can you, this is what God desires. He says, I pray that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. God doesn't want you to be weak. Be a weak Christian. He wants you to be a Christian who's strong. A Christian who can stand the test of time. No matter what comes your way, you push through without any, any problems. He says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. Says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by what? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. It means that Christ is not dwelling in your heart. <laughs> Christ in your spirit. But Christ must have his abode in your heart. On Tuesday I was talking about the spirit, the soul, the body and the heart. Those of you who are here. The heart is different. The heart is where the word of God is sold. The word of God can be taken away from your heart. Or be sown in your heart for it to grow, to become a tree. For your spirit man to have access through that tree to bear fruit for you. That's what I'm talking about. This that Christ, he prays that Christ may dwell in your Christ may have, the word dwell means to govern. He wants Christ to govern your heart. Your heart is the place where your imaginations are. Your heart is the place where your consciousness has a leeway. Okay? Your heart is your decision making center. Okay? The word heart is cardia. That's a Greek word. Cardia, it means center. He's talking about the central operating place of a man. That's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he says, he's praying that Christ will dwell in your heart. Christ will have a complete governance over your heart, over the center of your life. If Christ can have a governance over the center of your life, he can influence every other aspect of your life. That's what I'm talking about. That's what he's praying for. That is why we have to let the word of God be sown in your heart. And let it grow in your heart. 
by you understanding what the word of God says to you. Okay? That's why the word of God is coming to you. It's not time to sleep. It's the most important time you can ever think about in your life. When the word of God is being spoken to you. That is the most important. That is the time to be alert. That's not the time to sleep. If you sleep, the devil has gotten you. Read Matthew chapter 13. You see what I'm talking about. There are those who have the word of God being sold in their hearts. It's not, the problem is not with the preacher. The problem is not with the churches. The problem is with the people. Because the Bible says that the, the seed was sown in his heart. But the devil came and took it out of his heart. Why? Because he did not understand what was said. He didn't understand because he was not paying attention when the word of God was coming. Are you listening to me? He was not paying he was, he was either sleeping or was allowing his mind to drift off. Be like the Bereans. The Bereans gave attention to the word of God and searched to see whether what Paul said was true. If you don't do that, you're going to lose out. And nothing good can happen to you, even though you're a child of God. Nothing good can happen to you. Being a child of God is powerful. But if you don't understand what it means, it is not powerful. At all. You are just like someone who is walking out there. You are, not, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are the same. So he says, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. By faith. Faith is hearing. He says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as you hear the word of God and it comes to you, you, you know that I've received the word of God. It's been planted in my spirit. I'm not going to lose it. It's going to work in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's, that's putting your faith to work. They spoke to you about health and healing. I have health. I have healing. There's power in the things that God, God, God has given to us through his, through his word. There are too, there's too much power. Let me share a testimony with you. About a week ago, close to a week ago, I started feeling very weak. Very, very weak. I was doing all the things I was doing by, by force. I, I push. I don't want to sit down. So I'll just be doing everything. But I was breaking down. I knew in, my, in myself that I was sick. There was something wrong. I was ill. I was feeling ill. So I wanted to know what to do. Do you see? So I, was, I was praying. I pray a little. I become strong. I move around once again. But then it comes back again. I was talking to my wife. And my wife passed the comment. Then... I knew what to do. I knew how to take communion. Take it like a drag. I just knew. It came to my spirit. Dawn on me. Ah, you need to take communion. And take it. Be serious with it. Because you can take communion. It will not work. But if you are serious with it, it will work. You see. So I took it. That was about two or three days ago. Two days ago. So I took it morning, afternoon, evening. Sat down with my bread. Which is my body. And my wine. And I broke it. This is your body broken for me. Whatever disease that is trying to afflict my body, trying to possess my body, preventing me from doing what you have called me to do, I kill it by the power of the blood and by the power of the body in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I took it in. As time went and I became fine. By two hours time, just like taking my, I realized it was malaria. I don't know why, but I think it's malaria. I realized it was malaria. I was even doubting whether I could come and come and preach to you. I was doubting it in my mind. As at Wednesday, I was doubting, hey, will it be possible? Because it's like I'm not feeling well too much. I took it morning, afternoon, evening. Morning, afternoon, evening. I'm standing here preaching to you now. My strength has come back to But if you don't know what to do, you will suffer for a very long time. You take the malaria pills and it may not work. It will go and come back. <gasps> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> that is allowing Christ to have the dominion over your, over your spirit, over your heart. You see? So when trouble comes, the first place that you look for a solution is not to look for a solution somewhere else, but to look for a solution in God. What, what am I supposed to do with this particular thing? What should I do? 
What should I do? You see. That ye being, he says, being rooted and gathered in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the length and depth and breadth and height. That's verse 18. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Verse 19. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, I want to read the amplified version of this particular. It means that God has a desire for you to be filled with all of God. God is inside, but you can be filled with all of God. He's talking about the experience of God's presence in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christians have God in them. It's a truth. It's a reality. But they carry God in them to lie. They carry God in them to fornicate. They carry God in them to do all kinds of foolish things, isn't it? Is it true? You can have the presence of God inside. But the manifest presence of God will not be there if you don't pay attention to what is inside. I don't know about you, but I want to experience what God wants me to experience. Look at it. It says that you, you may really come to know practically. Have you seen it? I see what I'm talking about. It says that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Mere knowledge, a mere message, a mere thought in your brain. He wants you to experience the real love of Christ. Knowing to detail the fact that Christ loves me. He gave himself for me. I am not ordinary. By experience. Which far surpasses mere knowledge without, without experience. So that you may be filled. You may be filled through all your being. Your soul. Your heart. Your spirit. Your body. Filled. So that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God. You may have the richest measure of the divine presence. Did you hear what I said? You may have the richest measure of the divine presence. The richest measure of the divine presence. The divine presence of God. The richest measure. He wants you to have the richest measure. Of the divine presence of God in your life. Catherine Kuman will be going through a kitchen. And as she's going through the kitchen, all the cooks fall off. They are all slain in the spirit. Someone say, what, is slaying, being slain, what does slaying in the spirit do for you? When you fall down, when they lay hands on you and you fall down and you come up, you change. If you, if, if you allow the spirit of God to work on you, when you fall to the ground and you come back up, you realize your life has changed. You realize your thoughts has changed. Something changes in you. God shows you visions whilst you are down there. An idea, an, just an idea can drop in your spirit and that will be the end. Listen, the world is being run by ideas. Just simple, simple, simple ideas. Someone, someone started, so a, a man was struggling. He was struggling with, with work. They had sacked him off his job. He was struggling. He didn't know what to do. He went to see his pastor. Pastor, they've sacked him. What should I do? The pastor said, I, I've built some houses in the mountain for prayer. Go and be there and pray and pay attention to God in your spirit. I can't tell you what to do. What I'm supposed to tell you is to let you show you what to do. I'm showing you what to do now. Go and go and wait on God. Go and pray. So this guy went to this Bible with a spell in his notebook. Went to the mountain and went to pray. Spent three days praying. These are some things that some people don't want to do. But how do you expect... No, you, if, if you don't want to do some of these things, how do you expect things to work for you? There's a way you've chosen to go. If you don't go on it, don't expect any changes. You should learn to pay attention to your spirit. Because God is in your spirit. 
So he went to the mountain, opened his Bible, and started reading. He was reading from Matthew chapter 1. He said he didn't have time, so he can't read from Genesis. He started reading from Matthew chapter 1. As he read Matthew chapter 1, he would just be praying. 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 And praying. He had been taught to us, so he knew how to fellowship with God. As he was praying, he got to Matthew chapter 5. He got to the place where the Bible says that you are the salt of the earth. That was the end. He came rushing out of that of the mountain, ran to his pastor, and went to tell him, I found what to do. God says, I should sell salt. He's a billionaire. Right now, as I'm talking to you. He's a billionaire. He's a dollar billionaire. You will not respect salt. Because you eat it every day. Do you know that you know the hundreds of thousands of Ghana cities and dollars that people have because of salt? And he's one of the first people who started selling iodated salt. He's a, bil- he's a billionaire. Why? Because he paid attention to the spirit. He paid attention to God in the, in the spirit. If only you would pay attention. You will not be asking questions concerning, what should I do with my life? You would know. You would know. You would just know what to do. You would know where to go. And God will arrange you to be in the right place at the right time. That's what, that's, that's what the spirit of God does. He influences you to be at the right place at the right time. Saul needed someone to play for him. Because the anointing of God was on David, the anointing arranged and set things in course for David to be the one to play. So that he can learn how to be a king. Right by the side of the king. That's the arrangement of the anointing. And you are, he says the anointing is inside. Are you hearing me at all? See, I cannot fail. I cannot fail. Yeah, do the right things. Okay? Do the right things. Sometimes we talk about quiet time. Not rushing out of your room just like that. Some people don't want to do it. I don't know why you'd, want to, you'd not want to do something like that. Why you'd not want to pray and speak in tongues before you leave the house. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to be filled with God before you get out? So that you don't miss the opportunities that God has for you. Why is it that you want it to delay? You don't need to be 75 before God can bless you. Some people think that the blessing of God comes with age. It has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with understanding. If you understand what is going on, you can just start working. Things can just start working for you. Things can just open for you. Doors can just open miraculously for you. There are people you pass by every single day who have the keys to what you are looking for. But you pass them by because you don't know. Why don't you know? Because you did not speak in tongues in the morning. You didn't pray in the morning. You didn't think about God inside. You don't, you, don't, you don't even know. You don't think that God is inside. You think that God is fighting. So you don't even relate with him to start with. That is why it takes so long. It's like one thing would take so long. So long. It's not supposed to be like that. That's what we've been called into. We've not been called into delay. Ignorance is what delays us. Not doing what we are supposed to do is what delays us. It won't just happen. No, it won't just happen. You can set yourself up for change. You can set yourself up for success. It depends on you. The only thing that stands between you and your success is you. You are the only one. You are the only one. You. You, If you, the earlier you learn to get out of the way, the better. Okay? Get out of the way. Let God function in your life. This God, he says, I want to, oh, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence. I want that. I want that for myself. The richest measure of the divine presence. Richest measure. One man of God was looking for $500,000. At that time, it was big money for him. I'm talking about Yongichu now. It was big money for him. He needed $500,000 to do something in the church. There was nobody in the church who was going to be able to provide that money. So he started praying. He started praying. 
prayed and prayed and prayed. Do you know why he kept praying? You must pray and pray until you receive a vision from God or receive a word from God that this thing is settled. You understand? You must pray to calm your mind, pray to calm your flesh, so that you are not worried. They that know their God will not be on, will not be in haste. They will not be on to, because you, if you are not careful, you will be in haste. You always be asking questions. Hey, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to contact this person? Am I supposed to contact? You can, you can contact all the people in your phone and realize that you are not getting what you are supposed to get. It's not going to come by that. You have to calm yourself. You started praying. Set yourself to pray. Set three days apart. Praying until I get, I want to get and hear and see what God wants for me. What, how is this thing going to happen? Started praying. Neglect what I'm doing now and nothing will work. I can promise you. We can shake on it. You can decide to move around just like any other person. And I will pray. I will not take the other position. I will pray in tongues and stir myself up. And allow myself to be filled with the divine presence of God. And let's see how our lives will be in the next 10 years. How many of you go on that deal? You can see me after church. Just praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. Then he saw, he had a vision. He saw it. The reality of the money became real for him. It became real. He knew that he had the money. He jumped out of his room. Went outside shouting, I found it. I've got it. I've found it. The wife thought he was going nuts. He told him, sit down. He, was, he, was, he couldn't be calm. He said, when God speaks to you like that, you can't be calm. He was just shouting and shouting and shouting and shouting. The wife calmed him down. What is it? He said, the $500,000. I found it. Two days later, someone, a stranger, a complete stranger called him and told him that God should give you $500,000. And gave it to him. How can you explain that? Why should we have the parents of God and be struggling? Why? It's not supposed to be like that. I know someone who got a big contract. He was praying. God. They gave him the contract when he didn't have any experience in the contract. They gave it to him. When they gave it to him, he was smart. He didn't just do any shoddy work. He knew that that was his opportunity. He started working hard. He went to get all the things he was supposed to get and make sure the job was done perfectly. That was the beginning of his prosperity. He's never failed till date. What can't God do? What can't God do? God wants to work with you. That's why I said you should stop thinking about the fact that he hates you. He's past, gone. He's long gone past that particular level. He's on the level where he wants to achieve things with you and through you. I see what I'm talking about. That's, that's, what, that's, on, that's the level on which he's, he's with you now. He wants to achieve things with you and through you. Through your eyes, through your hands, through your feet. That he wants to achieve through you. He wants to conquer the world through you. He wants to do great things through you. He wants the world to, to, to shudder at what he's doing with you. He wants us, the world to stand in awe of what he's doing with you. So that will come and ask you, how, how, what is it? What is it? What are you doing? Then you can tell them. You sit them there and preach to them. That's what God wants. He says, unto all the, that you may be filled through all your being, unto all the fullness of God, having, have, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body. Holy filled. Become a body holy filled and flooded with God himself. Become a body. <laughs> a body holy filled. You see, Jesus never walked around as someone who had need. I realize. Jesus never spoke as someone who had any need. He never had any sense of need. Christ is in us. We must not have any sense of any need. If we have a sense of need, we must get to praying. Why am I talking about praying? Because it's through prayer 
that the word of God becomes alive. The word of God becomes alive for you. The word of God that you've read, you may have read greater is it that is in me than he that is in the world, but it's, it's, it's not alive. But as you pray, it comes alive. The word of God receives life. Then it begins to mean something for you. It begins to mean something for you. How can God be in you and you be struggling with your exam? Those of you are going to write an exam. How, why should you struggle with your exam when God is inside you? You should shut yourself up. You must shut yourself up in a room and set yourself up until you know and you know and you know that you do not fail. You are not a failure. Then open your books and start reading it and see how things will be. That brain that has not opened up all your life will open up. Yes, it will open up. Hallelujah. Can I show you? Can I show you how you can relate with God? How you can fellowship with God? How you can have the word of God becoming alive, coming alive unto you. So I can achieve results. How many want to achieve results? Yeah, a body wholly failed and flooded with God Himself. A body wholly failed and flooded, having the richest measure of the divine presence. It is possible. It is possible because God is inside and He can fill your soul and fill your body and fill your heart with His presence, with His divine presence. It is possible for you to achieve great results. First Corinthians chapter 14, 14. The secret is there. You can read the Amplified. You can read from verse 13 to be nicer from verse 13. Okay? Hallelujah. It says, Therefore, the person who speaks in an unknown tongue should pray for the power to interpret and explain what he says. Let's read the King James. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Now, he's not saying, this is not what he's saying, that you speak in tongues. Then you, you stop and then you pray. I've prayed in tongues. Father, Help me to interpret. Give me interpretation. Or at another time, you start praying, God, give me interpretation. I want to be able to interpret my tongues. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that let the one who speaks in a known tongue pray to the point where he interprets. Did you get it? He must pray to the point where he interprets. If you've not interpreted, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't, don't. In Jesus' name, amen. What did you say in the spirit? What did you say in the spirit? The Bible says that whosoever speaking in a known tongue edified himself. He says he does not speak unto men, but he speaketh unto God. He says no man understands him. How be it in the spirit? He speaks mysteries. He speaks hidden secrets and wisdom that is hidden for his glory. So as you're speaking to man, these are words that concern you. They are words that secret words concerning you, concerning what God wants to do with you. And what God wants you to do, or where God wants you to be, they are all there. It's inside your, your, your speaking in tongues. This is for some of you, you've been speaking one tongue for a very long time. Koba, Koba, Koba. You've not interpreted it, that's why it's still Koba, Koba, Koba. The day an interpretation comes, you change to Kobaya, Valaza, Balagoja, Valabaya, and you get more interpretation. That's what he's talking about. He says, let him pray to the point that he interprets. Because that is the most important time in your life. Not speaking tongues and you know picking your nose. No, you are not. You've not. You've not started. You've not started. You've not got to the point where your spirit man is going to release words, glorious words, where the presence of God fills your spirit so much it comes out through your soul. That's what he's talking about. Hidden see How can I feel? No, when God is inside me, when I'm a child of God. When I know in my mind that God is inside and God can talk to me. Speaking in tongues is preparing your spirit for God to talk to you. That's what it is. 
It's not an ordinary thing. It's holy. It's holy. Okay? It's holy. It's not common. Hallelujah. It is wherefore let him that speak in an own tongue pray that he may interpret. Pray to the point where he interprets. Pray to the point where you interpret. Pray to the point where you interpret. And he shows you why he's talking like that. Look at verse 14. Because if I pray in a known tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. My understanding is unfruitful. That is why I must pray to the point where I interpret. I see what I'm talking about. Look at the amplifier of this version. Verse 14. 14. He says, For if I pray in a known tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. My spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. So when I start speaking in tongues, God in me starts communicating with my spirit. The communication starts. How can I God get God in me to speak? By speaking in tongues. As I speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit with me, within, within me, begins to pray, begins to talk. The word pray means communicate. He begins to communicate with me. He begins to communicate with me. The communication starts, starts on a certain level. Starts on a certain level. It's going. It's going. It's going until it gets to that peak where I can receive a word from the Spirit and speak it forth for it to come to pass. You can have results. I said, God does not hate you. God is willing and ready to work with you. There are things he's going to say about your business. There are things he wants to say about, about your marriage. Yeah, about what to do, where to go. There are things he wants to say. They are all stuck in there. They must come out. Things he wants to say about your future. He wants to give you a picture of your future and help you take a hold of it so that you walk into that glorious future that he has called you to walk into. If you don't do anything about it, it's not going to be done. Nothing is going to be done about it. You must learn to take responsibility for your life. Life is a race of responsibilities. The earlier you take responsibility, the better. Don't wait for a prophet to come and say anything to you. Don't go, on, go, don't go to a shrine for them to say something to you. You don't need a shrine. You don't need a soothsayer. You don't need a prophet. You don't need any of those people. God is inside. God can talk to you. And you can hear God for yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. I said God can, he can transport you. <laughs> you see, the, the word communion in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 40 says that I, I, the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship or the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Be with you all. Amen. That's what he says. Now, the word communion and fellowship, okay, is, comes from a word called koinonia. That's a Greek word, koinonia. And koinonia means communion, it means fellowship, it means partnership, it means transportation, it means distribution. That's what it means. There's a transportation aspect of the communion. You understand? That means to transport you. You can be transported. <laughs> The Holy Spirit does that. Haven't you read in your Bible where Philip, Philip the Evangelist was transported from one location to the other? He transports people. He can transport you from one location to the other. You can be here, but he can transport you into the future. He can transport you into, the, into, into tomorrow and see how tomorrow is going to be. So that you can take advantage of tomorrow. Because that's his job. The Bible says that he comes to show you the future. He shows you what is to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you ready to ask are you ready to speak in tongues to the point where you interpret? You must get a word before you go home. Don't come to church and just be going like that. You've done that for too many years. I realize. You've done that for too You come and then you go. It's a ritual. It's not supposed to be like that. There's a place, a hub where God speaks. An environment where the atmosphere of, of God's presence dwells. An environment that encourages your spirit to receive from God what he wants for you. 
Hallelujah. Are you ready to speak in tongues? Are you ready to, to, to release some words into your future? Are you ready to be transported? He can show you images. That's why when you are praying in tongues, you must close your eyes. The last time I showed you three things you must do while speaking in tongues. The first thing to do is to close your eyes. If you are speaking in tongues like this, whatever is happening around you, see it. And it takes your mind. Now, you are speaking in tongues, your mind is unfruitful and you've not closed your eyes. You are making, you are aiding your mind to become more unfruitful. Because you are aiding your mind to think about more foolish things around you. You see someone passing by. Hey, why is he not going to church today? You see someone's hairstyle. Why is the hairstyle like this? Someone's pons. Why is the pons like You are praying. By your mind, why is her pons like this? Why is her dress like this? Why is, why is the chair here? Why did they, why did they do this on the stage? Why haven't they done this? Why haven't this happened? Why is the pastor moving? Around? Why is he shouting plenty? If you close your eyes, none of these things will come to your mind. If only you will close your eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then after closing your eyes, and taking yourself out of your environment. Jesus said that when you pray, pray in secret. He says, enter your closet. The way to enter your closet is by closing your eyes. That's the first thing you do. You close your eyes. Then you've entered your, your closet. Now in your closet, you must get out the dirty stuff out of your closet. Your closet must be, must be emptied of the dirty stuff. You see, even when you close your eyes, you realize that your mind is still moving around. Your mind is still talking. Your mind can be going to visit your girlfriend somewhere. He can be going to eat omutu uh, after church. You've not closed church. You are still in church, but your mind has gone to the Omuto joints. You want to go and see your friend. You want to go and think about the books that you're supposed to read. You want to go and think about the business you're supposed to have. You want to think about everything will start coming, even though you've gone into your, you've closed your eyes, you've shut your eyes to the world, but now you're in your closet. What you did 10 years ago will come, because it's still in your closet. If you've gone abroad before, you can travel, your mind can travel to UK and come back in a split second. So the next thing to do is to start emptying your closet by bringing your mind to what you are doing. Okay? Your mind is a very stubborn guy. Very, very stubborn guy. You want to catch him and he'll be running away. You want to catch him and he'll be he'll just be going. I want to go here. You bring him back. No, no, no. We ain't going. We are not going nowhere. We are going to be here. We are not going. Listen, you will pray in tongues. You will receive interpretation. Come! You bring, so you bring your mind. Now that can take about 30 minutes to do. You are emptying your closet. You are bringing them. Bring him. Come. No movements. Come here. Then you bring your mind and stay your mind on what you are doing. See, you stay your mind on the benefit of speaking in tongues. That's the next thing to do. That's the third thing. You fill your closet with the benefit of speaking in tongues. I just showed you one. God is going to speak through me. God is going to speak to me concerning my future. God is going to transport me. So you bring your mind and you let your mind expect that God will bring you images. God will speak a word to you. You receive the word of God. The word of God will be quickened in your spirit. You start expecting that. And as you do that, you'll be shocked at what will be happening to you. You realize that your body, your, your body starts feeling the anointing of God. The anointing of God starts, starts, it starts going around you as a whirlwind. You begin to feel the presence of God all around you. you. Begin to feel the presence of God all around you. And God will talk to you. I see what I'm talking about. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready to do that? Yeah. Are you sure you are ready to do that? Yeah. Rise up on your feet and let's begin to speak the language. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.